concerned with Hoorah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it Or what to do with it Or how to keep it You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret But you're not the only one Get your hidden financial fears With a blast of sun Now your healing has begun It's bad with funny with Gabby Dunn Hello, Deadbeats. It's I, Gabby Dunn. And this is Bad With Money. No shit, Sherlock. Going to college is expensive. Extremely expensive. And our ability to pay for it, or lack of ability really, is dragging down the entire economy. There's 1.6 trillion, trillion with a T, T-R trillion dollars in student loan debt outstanding in this country. These monthly payments are keeping people from buying houses, from starting businesses, from taking creative risks. It's causing a generation load of stress. I've still got student loan debt from a bachelor's degree I finished almost 10 years ago. 12K of it. A serious candidate for president still has student loans they're paying off. Mayor Pete and his husband, they owe $130,000 still. So why are we doing this to ourselves? Does college still matter? I mean, yes, college graduates are far more likely to be employed and make way more money over their lifetime than folks who have little or no college. That's still true. And more people in this country than ever have college degrees. But two-thirds of Americans over 25 don't have a college degree. And when you break it down by race, the numbers are way out of balance. No surprise there. So what are we going to do as a country about affording college? And how has access to higher education affected marginalized groups specifically? And if it's so hard to afford, do we even need to be going? This week, we're talking to a woman whose whole career has been spent working on answering these questions and coming up with plans to make it better. Zakia Smith-Ellis is the Secretary of Higher Education in New Jersey, where they're building a system to make community college free for all. Before that, she was a senior education advisor working in the Obama administration, and she's only in her early 30s. So anyway, I can't wait to vote for her for president one day. So I am Zakia Smith-Ellis. I'm the Secretary of Higher Education for the state of New Jersey. And that means that I advise the governor on higher education issues, as well as try to just promote increased access to higher education, make it more affordable for people in New Jersey, and um, generally provide policy advice and coordination to higher education in the state. So yeah, you've been studying and working on issues around college affordability for years. And this is like a big thing that my listeners uh, really... I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but enjoy hearing about. Um, So can you explain why college has gotten so much more expensive, like out of proportion to other things in the economy over the last decade? Yeah, there are a couple of um, reasons, and I will try not to take up your entire, like, however long we have talking about why college is costing so much. But, I mean, there are a couple of different things. One I would say is that when we say college, there's a bunch of different kinds of college, and I think in popular culture, we kind of talk about a particular kind of four-year residential experience, which has been the most expensive over time. But there's a lot of people who go to community college, career and technical training, which is valuable as well. Um, But four-year degrees, and particularly student loan debt, which has also kind of exploded over the past even 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. years, um, has exploded. So I think that's part of why people are so, uh, you know, frustrated about it. I think frustrated is a a very good word to describe how people feel. Um, And it's one, people would say, experts would probably say, and I would agree that at public colleges, states funding levels for higher education has not been the same as what it used to be in prior generations. Mm. So when people say, oh, I used to be able 
able to go to college by just working a summer job. It's like, well, at that time, the state was funding, you know, the university of whatever at a level that probably accounted for much more of the state's budget. So in general, tuition fees have replaced state funding for most of the cost of providing the education. So really the cost has shifted from the public to the students in the form of tuition and fees and to some extent, you know, their families or whatever in terms of whoever is paying that bill. So that's one thing. It doesn't account for what's happening at private colleges, which is a little bit different, which is just like um, a little more complicated because private colleges generally don't get state funding. But for public colleges, that's more or less what's been going on. I feel like it has it, it's dovetailed with um, lower wages or uh, thing else kind of becoming more expensive and then college mm-hmm. becoming way more expensive because it's not just more expensive. You're right. It, it comes down to student loans, which is, means that people mm-hmm. aren't able to afford how expensive it is. Yeah. Yes. And then so it's like college has become ever more kind of important in terms of the wage premium. I know there's like a lot of conversation about whether college is still mm-hmm. worth it. Um, on average, it is. Like on average, I always tell people this, like on average, if you had to like bet, you know, going to college is going to get you um, a higher wage over your lifetime, even with student loans than not going to college. The um, So that makes it even more important though. So more and more people are realizing that. So they're like, oh my God, I got to go to college. I got to figure mm-hmm. it out. But Unfortunately, people don't live their lives on average. (laughs) So it's not the case that every college, every major, um, for every amount of student loan debt, that college is going to pay off. And no one can ever guarantee that. So you've got more people who are kind of like, for lack of a better word, screwed than Mm -hmm. in the past, um, at the same time that you have the wage premium actually increasing. So it's like people aren't crazy in thinking that they should be trying to get a post-secondary education, which is a fancy way of saying anything beyond Mm -hmm. high school. But it's because it's, you know, it's harder to get a job. And I know like, you know, most, there's a lot of conversation in the economic world about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, but more and more people are requiring a higher education in order just to get in the entry point. And that's something we could solve in a variety of different ways. But the reality is for the individual, that means you're better off if you have a college degree than if you don't. And so it's kind of a catch-22. It's like, you got to have this thing beyond high school, but we don't really do a particularly good job of helping people pay for it. And that's why people are taking on more and more debt. That's so interesting because I, I've ta- I, for my book, I talked to a lot of uh, Gen Z and mm-hmm. they seemed very disillusioned with college. Yes. They, they yes. depending on what they want to do with their lives, I mean, but um, so yeah. like some of them, like photography or uh, acting or dance or something like that, maybe you, you don't need to go to like a four-year school and major mm-hmm. in English. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of them, either way, just felt like, I want to go to a technical school. I want to go yeah. to a veterinary school or baking school or something like that. Yeah. So it's interesting that like more jobs are requiring it, but I got the the general sense that that the Gen Z generation was like so over it and so traumatized by seeing their parents, millennials and Gen yeah. X, uh, paying off loans. It's so crazy that their parents parents are millennials. That, like, I know. Me. <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, but what you're saying is totally like I when I was at the I was at Lumina Foundation before I came to the state of New Jersey, and um, one thing that I started to hear more and more was like students who were scared of going to college because of student loans. Mm-hmm. So yes, absolutely, what you're saying 
people are hearing about either their parents or their cousins or their uncles or whatever having student loan debt, people in having a bad experience with student loans and then being really scared off from college altogether. And I should clarify, like when I say college, I really mean anything beyond high school. So going even further back, when I was at the Obama administration, President Obama used to talk about everybody needing something beyond high school. So that could be a four-year degree, but it could also be an associate's degree. It could also be um, some kind of a apprenticeship where you get um, a certification that you know a skill or a trade. And so I really think part of it is like positive that students are thinking about what their careers could mean beyond just a four-year bachelor's degree. That said, the thing that um, I think worries people sometimes is that there's a huge gap in who gets bachelor's degrees. (laughs) So, you know, like you don't want to say you know, to a bunch of like inner city kids that, you know, you really just should get a trade because that seems like tracking a little bit. But it is the case that in general, people kind of have a myopic view of what going to college could be. And it could be so many things and it doesn't have to be like getting a degree in a liberal arts profession. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a profession, but you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be that. And that's a lot of times what we kind of think of as college. There's like a much broader panoply of things that you could do. And in general, the returns come from having something beyond high school. So President Obama used to say, you just need something. It could be not, not to say like something, anything, but it should yeah. be like something that no, like a piece of paper. When I talk to students, I'm like, it's a piece of paper that says that you know how to do something special. <laughs> so whether that is like I don't know if people get certified in dance, but like, even if it's like somebody saying like, hey, I've been, you know, I've worked with this person and there's a lot more like badges and things like that, like photography, Mm -hmm. like they're really good at this skill. So like having a skill and that is what's kind of winning the day today. And it's a really important thing. Yeah, you you're right about uh, saying that and the access to to college being now, you know, when you say that the implication is white kids are going to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you, which is also not great. Um, yeah. Can you talk about the idea of access? Because it's not just money. Yes, it's not just money, but I will say a lot of it is money. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, it's not just money. It's also, you know, uh, having the right academic background from high school. And we know that high schools are segregated and the quality of high school uh, degrees isn't the same. And people's access to like college level coursework while they're in high school is another big thing. It's a predictor of whether you'll not only do well in college, but whether you'll even go at all. So mm-hmm. did you have the opportunity to take an AP? class or dual enrollment class or even like honors classes, you'd be surprised at how segregated AP coursework is. And that's one thing that we're looking at in the state of New Jersey. I know a lot of other people are just how much access to people in high school have to higher level coursework so that they can kind of get a sense of what it would be like to be in college. Yeah, it was segregated at my school, AP. Yeah. I mean, I went to a high school that like didn't have that many AP classes. I love my high school, but it didn't have that many AP classes. And I remember I wanted to take an AP class, but I think I was one of two people that wanted to take it. And so they didn't offer it, which makes sense. But I also know that if I had gone to another high school, it'd be like, oh yes, everybody like world, I think it was like world geography or something like that, AP world geography. And it was like, actually, you know, there's only two people that want this. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to offer this. Um, And it's not always that, like I had a, a fine upgrading. But that's a lot of what happens is that there's not just even access to high school level coursework or like the right kind of teachers and then the support services. So like the academic stuff is one piece, but then just the like, did your parents go to college or did you have people in your high school that are going to be college counselors? There's not that many counselors per student, as you probably Mm -hmm. know. So 
that's just another thing. You talk to so many students that say, no one was there to help me. Um, I was like thinking about going to college. I'm the first person in, their, in my family and there weren't that many people there to help me navigate the whole process. And then you complicate it with student loans and like saying, well, what's the ROI? And like, what mm-hmm. should you major in? And how much debt should you take out? And what's responsible? So, I mean, there's like a lot of layers to this. And the basic thing being, we've done a really terrible job, I think nationally in framing this for people and creating policies that actually make it make sense. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of guidance counselors or in terms of, I know I saw at my school, the kids that could afford to have private tutors or private um, college coaches, or, uh, you know, there was this like bevy of adults who were trying to get all of the, I mean, I was part of it, all of the, Mm -hmm. the upper um, like level just with academics, like I couldn't yeah. afford any of this shit, but just like the yeah. upper academic kids, there was like a, a, a large amount of adults being like, here's how to do everything. Um, yep. not, not to, not to say that I, I made any good student loan decisions. Cause that was still <laughs> yeah. like the push to go to college was then like, whatever, just take out as many loans as you need. The point is that we got you in. Can I tell you, though, that it's so crazy to me because this, like, there's a lot of things within the financial landscape where everything is, is, for lack of a better word, and maybe this is the best word, but, like, segregated, where the experience in one side is just so different. So we do have this, like, intense, I think, um, intense and probably unhealthy obsession with college among, like, some, Horrible. some you Horrible. know, some places that is causing students so much stress. And I used to serve on the board of like an admissions, the admissions counseling community. And they would talk about this all the time. But at the other hand, I worked in like a low income high school where we didn't have a lot of college counseling. And so the people that probably need like the students that probably most need somebody to help them navigate it have like nothing in these like urban and sometimes very rural communities where going to college is not the norm. And then (laughs) the folks where, you know, you might I would say like some of these places, people should probably take a breather and be like, you know, what about an apprenticeship? Like maybe you shouldn't take it. You know, this is where Mm -hmm. the like big debt is coming from. People are mortgaging their homes. So there's just like if we could balance this out a little bit so that the people on that end spend Mm -hmm. less time thinking about college and like maybe divert some of the energy and attention to like the students in, I'm thinking of inner city Newark or Camden or whatever, where right. we kind of like need more guidance counseling around this kind of stuff, that that would be a, a useful rebalancing of things. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. so crazy to live in both of those worlds, though. We'll be right back after a short break. You talked about, I read some stuff where you're talking about like financial capital versus social capital, mm-hmm. like the three prongs of for college students, which is like academic, financial, and yes. social preparedness. yes. And social preparedness, is this what we're talking about? Yeah, I mentioned the academic stuff and then the social, yes, the social, like, just helping you navigate. That's exactly, that's exactly right. The social capital around going to college. So what, what are some things that, like, you mentioned, like, the gainful employment rules or, like, what are some things that kind of used to be in place or that aren't anymore? Or what, you know, what was that? Oh, man, the gainful employment. So Betsy DeVos, Secretary DeVos, just announced that they are, like, um, getting rid of the gainful employment rule, which was something I worked on in, in the Obama administration. Um, but was the idea that basically, if you're going to a college that markets itself as a career-oriented school, so this is more like the, you know, come here and you'll like get a job in something, you know, fairly specific, mm-hmm. um, rather than like come here and learn about yourself and learn, you know, and like mm-hmm. and explore. Um, there are some places that are like, you know, they they more so are often for profit, but not 
not exclusively, the rule wasn't exclusively about them. And, but they were, um, so kind of like career colleges, you can think of them as like your ITT, I should, maybe I shouldn't name names, but ITT Tech is now like out of business. So it's the places <laughs> that you might see advertisements for right. on TV that are like, but bit more specific, like, oh, you know, you're going to get a radiology technology certificate or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and they were charging, you know, oodles of money. So maybe these certificates are valuable, but not for the amount that they were charging. So this rule was basically saying, if you're, if people cannot get a salary that is like commensurate with the debt that they took out, then you can't get federal aid, which seems reasonable. Like you can't get a student loan, right? We shouldn't let you take out student loans for stuff that is unlikely to pay off for people, which seems like very basic to me, but it was met with such controversy and such resistance um, from a lot of the higher education community, I should say, not just those kind of shady places. Why? Um, I think there's this traditional... And I talk to people about this in general, like just sharing information. I think we do a terrible job of helping people prepare for student loan debt. And this is something I could talk about for hours, but in no other consumer finance, and you work on this, so you know, no other Mm -hmm. place do we just say, you can take out debt. We're not going to tell you what your monthly payment is going to be. We're not going to tell you what your likely return on this is going to be. We're just going to tell you to take out debt. We have no underwriting standards. Yeah. And you can essentially take out, I mean, for for now for graduate student loans, it's unlimited amounts of debt. So the the um a lot of the six-figure debt actually comes from graduate degrees and not just doctors and lawyers, but increasingly like master's degrees. Um and people, you know, take out debt for all kinds. Social work was one of the things that was recently highlighted yeah. in the New York Times. And this is not to say like I have a master's degree in education. I have a grad like a doctorate degree in education. I have a lot of student loan debt. So I'm not like mm-hmm. crapping on these degrees. I think they can be valuable, but we just haven't done a good job of connecting the dots for people to know when you take out the debt, this is what your likely earnings are going to be so that you can make a good decision about whether you should take it on. And you you can think about whether this is a responsible thing to do. So um, I just think that a lot of people in education feel like that is financializing education in a way that makes them uncomfortable. So I talk to like really, you know, you talk to sometimes um, administrators or faculty who's like, it's about education. And my thing is, when we decided to offer student loans for this, we kind of gave that, (laughs) you know, you can't have it both ways. I mean, it is sad because when I hear stuff like that, it's like, you know, the people that would otherwise be learning literature or like yeah. creating, you know, it's like yeah. we're we're sort of discouraging that which sucks because that wasn't the the original idea for academia, but you're right, like it's, you know, it's like well, but we've decided that those degrees are useless as a society yeah. because <laughs> yeah. we're assholes, you because know. Because we don't val- I mean like so my because, thing is Because you know, what? start valuing artists. How about that? Yeah, like we should. And I think if anything, like maybe maybe art degrees should be free. Like maybe social work degrees should be paid on full scholarship. Like the it's not that the yes. degrees aren't valuable. It's that we should not be putting people into a situation that we know is untenable for them by giving them debt for this. So when you do debt financing, you only give the only reason you should give someone a loan is because you think they have the ability to repay it. And there's like a whole problem with credit in this country, but you don't give people loans if you know that they don't have the capacity to repay them. You should mm-hmm. think about other ways to pay for things that we value as a society, 
like from a, you know, from a government standpoint, which is why we probably don't give people loans for pre-K. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we talk about expanding access to pre-K because we think it's good for children, because we think it's good to learn to read. You know what I mean? Like we do yeah. that stuff because it's valuable and we don't say like, oh, you know, yeah, universal access to pre-K. We're going to give everybody credit cards. You know, like I just, yeah, we have to connect the way we're talking about paying for these things, which we have shifted the burden onto the student for with like what we value as a society. And we're not, we're beginning to get there, like with things like um, Free Community College, which we're trying to do in New mm-hmm. Jersey, by saying, you know, these are colleges that everybody can go to. They are in every community. Um, they're universal access mm-hmm. they're for young people and mature people, which I like to say, instead mm-hmm. of saying older people. Um, but, and that should, that access shouldn't come with, it should be just as free as like high school is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a way to start saying like, we value this and we should pay for it as a society without requiring that individuals go into debt for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, I don't think we value critical thinking. So any sort of job, any sort of thing that has to do with like literature or mm-hmm. like yeah. studying history or whatever. That's my own gripe. Um, so, well, you know, like, I think that's a popular, like, we, if we really started to look at this a little bit more, people in um, businesses and HR professionals say that they value those things. They say that that's what they care a lot about. But then there's just some kind of disconnect with, okay, if you value critical thinking, then you should really value people who have philosophy degrees. And so we're just kind of like under, I think the academic word is under theorized on what to do about this. Yeah. You know? So let's shift to what um what are the other non-tuition costs? So like this is the big thing is that people don't realize like I went moved to Boston for school mm-hmm. and I think people don't realize that now you live in a city where you're paying for yeah. things more and um you know I saw uh, someone talking about NYU and being like well we never factored in cabs or oh, yeah. although take the subway although there's problems with the subway anyway I lived in New York mm-hmm. um but yeah so like wh- how do you address that kind of stuff on a policy level so non-tuition costs are huge and actually for you know I'm gonna go back to like the stats on public colleges which I have mm-hmm. like seared into my brain but <laughs> Average tuition and fees at public colleges, if I'm remembering correctly, is probably like in the twelve to thirteen thousand dollar year range annually, which means most people are surprised about. They're like, I feel like it's so much more than that. But public colleges average that's about what the tuition and fees are. Um, it's the when you talk about the non tuition costs, so like room and board, which is rent, food, like books, supplies, transportation, all of that stuff adds up to another like Fourteen to fifteen thousand dollars a year just at public colleges. So, and those costs have also been rising, interestingly, at higher than the rate of inflation as well. So, oh, it's good. like, yeah, well, great. You know, it's all of these things come together. So, especially if you live in a more expensive part of the nation, like a New Jersey or New York area, you're going to have higher costs for all of that stuff. And then even for students, though, who are going to a community college and even living at home or trying to live on their own, we just have such a problem in this country with helping people pay for basic needs. Um, We have a problem with hunger and homelessness, and that goes into college students as well. We're doing, um, so you talked about like, okay, so we have this problem. What can we do about it? We're doing a survey of all of our community college students this year with um, something called the Hope Center, which is based in Temple University in Philadelphia. But we're going to survey our community college students to see, like, what is the extent of their um, material hardships. So that's like hunger, homelessness. So the first step is just knowing what your students are facing. Because I Mm -hmm. think sometimes we imagine that students are all like 
upper middle class, playing frisbee on the quad, have no cares in the world. And no, no, the actual reality is a lot different than that. I talked to a grad student for my book who, uh, in the middle of our conversation, her internet cut out because mm. she she couldn't pay it. Mm. Um, and it's like she's she's in school. Like yeah, yeah. And that reality is just so much more than just the tuition and fees. So as much as we talk about tuition and fees, and we have a like free community college plan that's just focused on tuition and fees, but I feel like hopefully we can start talking about some of those other things as well. And there's lots of food pantries, which is something that people are starting to do, but that's probably an, not enough. We need to be expanding SNAP, which is like the um, nutrition assistance, basically mm-hmm. food stamps. Um, we just expanded SNAP in New Jersey to community co- more community college students. And we should be thinking about like, Things like that. I would also just wish that everybody was advocates for low-income people in general, <laughs> for like yeah. people who like need these kinds of benefits, because those student that like becomes an added burden if you're if you're um, going to college. It's hard to pay that stuff in of itself, and then when you add on like trying to get to and from college, like one in four college students has their own kids. They have dependents mm-hmm. of their own, so it's just like these things that are problems in the world, like whether it's childcare or transportation or housing costs are like compounded for college students who, you know, also have to pay tuition and fees and are trying to balance work or whatever with with paying all of that stuff. We always shame low-income people, Mm -hmm. like saying, why don't you better yourself? Why don't you work harder? Why don't you do this and that? But then then we make it like impossible for them to be able to to do the things that they need to do. Yes. My mom was like in law school. This was like obvious in the 80s, but my mm-hmm. mom was on food stamps when she was in law school. And it's like you, so mm-hmm. she's trying to like move up and, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which you're supposed, which is the American dream, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you're supposed to do. But like, it's, it's shitty enough that she's needs to like do these things, you know, like it's just... Mm-hmm. We do not. not, I mean, there's so much. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be talking about higher ed, but like there's just so many challenges with how people um, can afford to live that are like, like I just said, compounded when you're going to school. And we um, the thing that like really drives me in this work and that is like infuriating at the same time is that we do say you should be bettering yourself. And one of the ways that you can do that is by going to college. Right. We have this like part of the dream You say, okay, you know, you should go to college and people are by and large, like buying it, um, particularly communities of color, like black communities value. This is also a narrative that sometimes gets you. There's some like idea that black people don't care about education. And when you survey black parents, they care more than anyone else about education. Yes. yes. That's in my, I mean, I guess I'm sorry to keep bringing up my no, book, yeah, but I wrote yeah. a lot about student loans. That was a statistic in my book was that yes. black parents are more yes. likely to, to mortgage their homes and take yes. out loans to send yes. their kids to college yes. way more likely because yes. they know that the kid needs a higher degree to be able to compete with white job app- yes. applicants. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's like so frustrating that then we kind of basically make you take out on this debt or worse. I mean, I don't actually know what's worse if like having the debt that Mm -hmm. is, you know, a lot or not having debt and not having a way to pay the gap. So there are a lot of students who are gapped and they're working two and three jobs while going to school full time. Mm -hmm. I was at a community college a couple of weeks ago talking to a student who got one of our um, grants and he was saying, I have three jobs. And I basically don't sleep. I come to school when I'm like, what do you, how do you have three jobs and you're in school full time? Like, this is insane that we would be doing this to people who are trying to better their lives. And just, we have one of the most 
broad systems of higher education in the in the world, actually. So, I mean, I want to say kudos to the United States for having the system of education, but we also then have one of the most expensive and most um, like segregated systems where we just don't really provide the resources for everybody to go who really wants to go mm-hmm. and, and and be able to have it be affordable. You know what I mean? Like, well, you know what I mean, because you're talking yeah. about college affordability, but yeah. Um, there was a candidate who said, like, we need to make it affordable for people not to go to college. And I think maybe people misconstrued that, but it shouldn't be like a life sentence that you didn't go to college. Like, yeah, of course. college should better yourself, but not be like, a, if you don't go to college, you shouldn't be, you know, burdened with not being able to pay your basic expenses for the rest of your life. So that is like a, a balance that I think people in higher education need to realize that what we're doing in higher ed has to build upon broader societal supports for individuals just to live well. Is that part of the, you're writing a a student bill of rights? Yes. So what's on that? So we um, have like a state, everybody, every state should have like some plan for what they want to see in higher education. And so we um, put out a plan, but that was focused on students rather than focused on the colleges. Like the colleges are, you know, obviously part of it, but it's really in service of the students. And so we put out a student bill of rights. And the idea is that we should be clear about what it is that students should expect from higher education in the state of New Jersey. So whether that's good financial information, which is one of the pieces, I won't go through all 10. You can go to our website if you want to see all 10, but (laughs) there are like these 10 things and like from the beginning to like the end kind of in a chronological way, whether it's exposure to college courses early so that, you know, like I said, in high school, you're getting access to that, whether it's good financial information so that you know like about debt and what's responsible. And then the other thing that I like to mention when we talk about financial information is that that is not a cure for actually making things affordable. So like I could tell you in a very clear way with a very clear, you know, disclosure or whatever that has the best standards of consumer finance that it's going to cost you this like, you know, let's just, I'm going to make up a number that's not actually real, but you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's going to cost you $250,000 annually, which it doesn't mm-hmm. to go to college. And it's going to be very clear. And I'm going to make you financially literate about how you will have to pay, you know, $5,000 a month to repay your student right, loans, right? Right, right, right. That doesn't actually solve the problem. You actually have to make it affordable for people. So like, I love that we want it. So we want to do, you know, everything we can to make sure that people understand loans, debt, and affordability, but we also have to do what we should be doing as a state and as a society to actually bring down the cost. So that's the other part of our like student bill of rights is that every student deserves not only that information, but that they actually deserve an affordable education experience as well. Um, Then there's other good stuff on there, which is like making sure that people have, um, and that affordability does include just stuff beyond tuition and fees. includes help with all of your other costs. And then things like you need supportive faculty, you need supportive staff, you need an inclusive environment. Like Mm -hmm. we're a more diverse society. We should be making sure that students feel included in their college campuses and not excluded. Um, And then we should make sure that people have assistance in getting jobs when they leave. So yeah, like a summary. So, you know, other countries have free or subsidized college. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't we have that? Well, one is that, um, and I've like looked at this a lot. One thing to realize is that n- other countries that have free education um, typically also exclude people from higher education pretty routinely. So we're very unique in that we have a pretty open, act, like open system. We have community colleges, which just are very uniquely American. They're actually mm. mostly only um, in the 
latter half of the 20th century that community colleges open, like after 1960s or so, um, 50s and 60s. And so the thought that like everybody could go to college is actually a very American thing. So in a lot of other countries, and this is like what I like to actually caution that have um, free education, they really restrict who gets access to that education. And that's not something we would want to do. So mm. when you're paying for, so I really, really, really often stress that like Germany has free, free college, but they also have like a test that you take in eighth grade that says whether you're college material. And if you fail it, it's really hard to get on that college track. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so that is something, this is why I say it's kind of an under theorized area academically. Like we haven't taken college affordability, I would say seriously. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, we don't have a lot of good ways to think about this. Um, and it sucks because we're in a really, I would say, crisis moment about college affordability, which is causing people to not want to go to college, as we talked about. Um, but a lot of these other countries, they have really, really high, like they have tests for who can go to college. And if you don't meet the test, you can't go. It's not like, oh, you know, everybody. So that's how they, because you've got to think about it. You, they, the countries pay for it. So like the state pays for the education for everybody, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to pay for an unlimited number of people to go mm. to college. So they like, they, like Australia has, um, well, it used to have free education um, and now they have something slightly less than free. And what they would do is they tell colleges, this is how many students we will pay for you to have this year. So they don't have like this whole frenzied, you know, thing about college admissions, but they also basically have a pretty clear um, like cutoff system for who gets in and out. And that makes me uncomfortable just because of the way our college testing stuff is so frayed at the moment. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but like just that's I mean, it's pretty racist. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like I just wouldn't want the SAT to be the thing that, which is also like not a government entity. So there's just a lot of differences with those countries, but I think the aspiration that it should be free for many more people and that we should have like universal access. This is why I'm for free community college. Like mm-hmm. we can have both universal access that is, is free for students or tuition free with also supports for helping people live um, their lives without living out of their cars is something that we should aspire to and like spend money on. But I want us to also be thoughtful about like not saying, oh, well, if you have a 3.0 GPA, you can go to college, which is a program that exists in a lot of Southern Mm. states. They have these like hope scholarships, which then has a disproportionate impact on like the very lower income and like minority students that sometimes didn't have the good access to high school coursework. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a catch 22. So I just think um, there's a lot of conversation about this in the presidential elections right now, which is, I think, good to have this kind of attention. But when we look at the other countries, these also got to remember that sometimes they have like really, really stratified systems where people are shut out and they have a small number of people who gets access to free college and then everybody else has to like s- scramble for themselves. Yeah, we, I was going to say, what do you think about Elizabeth Warren's plan to eliminate student debt? Well, now we've got Bernie Sanders' plan to eliminate, like, not just some student debt, but all student debt. Um, Mm -hmm. um, So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I feel like Elizabeth Warren tried to be thoughtful in seeing, like, where the debt was the worst and getting rid of it. I think if we're willing to do stimulus plans, I was going to say stimuli, like, you know, basically (laughs) just cutting a check to people, um, which is basically what this is. This is saying student loan debt is um, causing people to not spend money on other things, not save for retirement, not, you know, have um, as much disposable income. And we want people to have more disposable income. So Mm. like, I feel like 
a lot of the conversation has been evaluating it as a higher education policy, but it's really more of an economic stimulus policy. Like, do we want to give everybody a tax credit, you know, or a tax break? And so um, in that way, I think it's like good that we're talking about this at least. Um, I would say I don't have like an official state of New Jersey opinion on it. Got but it, in general, got it, got it. In general, I oh, think it's like Oh, you don't speak a, for the whole state of New Jersey? That's no. Only yeah. Bruce Springsteen does. Yeah, um, only Bruce Springsteen. We should ask him what he thinks. He should pay off people's deal on debt. So, yeah. So, I, I was just reading interviews with you, and mm-hmm. um, and we talked about this a little bit, but one thing that—a quote—I had a couple quotes of yours I liked, but one was like, in general, when I think about people and people that have been historically left out, marginalized, oppressed in any kind of society, but particularly American society, a lack of educational opportunity has been an undercurrent of that marginalization. Mm. Um, can you talk about how this kind of goes back further? Oh, man. Yes. I mean, just uh, I mean, my my parents on both sides, my mom's parents, my dad's parents um, and their parents and grandparents are descendants of slaves, right? And one of the things that we tried to do throughout slavery was like stopping slaves from reading. So for me, yes, access to education is really personal. And my dad, um, who passed away last year, but like is one of, you know, was just a, he was actually a faculty member at a community college and um, but he did a lot of family history and mm-hmm. he traced our family history all the way to slavery. And I have like pictures of, you know, my great, 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 great grandfather who was a slave and my great, 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 great grandmother who was a slave and wow. um, records of their sale from one family to another where they're listed on a sheet of paper with like bacon and salt and wow. him and like the cost, you know what I mean? That people paid. And so um, just thinking about that oppression was not, it was definitely like very much physical, but it was also just access to education. And then after slavery in Jim Crow, like access to education was something that, um, you know, we had Brown versus Board of Education, which was really about getting access to quality education. So throughout like history, the way that we decided to marginalize people is to try to remove their ability to get educated. And I think so much about being human and being, you know, just living your life well is about the ability to, um, to like think about things and critically think about your life and then also to mobilize and to fight for yourself. And part of that comes through, you know, education about what's come before you. So it was a long way of saying that I think it's really important, not just from a job, you know, kind of standpoint or like Mm -hmm. getting ahead, but just like as, as how we exist. And I, but I would also say in that it's not that, the only place that you can get educated is in college. You know? Right, so, right, right. Um, I mean, I think universal access to like high quality high schools and pre-K, you know, all of that is part of getting education. And that's why I'm in the field in general is just because I think it's so powerful to individuals. And it's something that has been used as a way to like oppress folks. And it's also why I think if we're serious about people needing something beyond high school, to get ahead in life, like financially, that it's kind of immoral to ask them to be pay, to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, it's not about it's that thing where it's like not about equality; it's about equity for students yeah. of color or low yeah. income students or yeah. students in rural or urban yes. areas. It's like, yeah, it's about like I mean, there's so much that goes into like making up for time, basically. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of historical inequities that are hard to like overcome, and it kind of. It's like a cycle. Like sometimes I talk to um, college uh, professionals, right, like administrators in colleges, and you talk about completion because completion, which we haven't uh, mentioned, but this is a 
a money show, but the completion, you know, goes into like how much you pay. So the like the longer you stay in school, obviously the more you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. And so you want people to be able to finish. And then also a lot of people who start college don't finish. And that yep. is part of the student debt problem. Like, you know, you it's the worst place to be is to have started school. You took a few classes or you took a couple years and then you've got even this is these are the people who actually default the most is those people who have like ten thousand dollars or like maybe fifteen thousand dollars of student loan debt and never finish their degree, but have to like pay back the debt anyway. It's not like if you don't finish your degree, it's not like your debt is forgiven. You know, you still have to pay it back. Except for now you don't have a college degree. So you're being looked at just like every other person who graduated from high school, except for you don't have the like, you know, degree to be able to get that entry level job that maybe shouldn't be asking for a degree, but is. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're so you're basically in the same pool as other people, but now you have the debt to repay as well. And there's some stuff like income-based repayment that's kind of starting to help with this. But in general, it's just a really terrible situation to be in. And so it's why we should care about completion as well as, you know, caring about affordability. But a lot of times people will say like, oh, well, students aren't completing because they didn't really get the right high school preparation. And I have this thing where I say, well, you know, you work with high school you know, principals and and you talk to enough people in high school and high school teachers and they'll say, well, they come to high school. They don't know how to read when they come to high school. You know, you really need to be looking at like elementary and middle school and elementary education. Mm. And then you're like, okay, well, crap, like you go to elementary schools and they're like, well, you know, really need universal pre-K and like students are coming in and they don't know their ABCs or whatever. <laughs> And you're like, okay. And then you go back and they're like, well, it's really, it starts at home. You know, the parents have to read to their kids. And I'm just oh like, my God. It, it is so infuriating. So it's just like, you know what? We all have to do a better job. And it, actually, if you go back to parents, it's like, send all the parents to college. So we're back where we started. Like, right. Jesus. Oh my <laughs> yes. God. It is like, but it's a, it's a reason for us like not to have, and all of those things are true. So I try to tell people like, that's all true. And it doesn't absolve you from doing what you can to like right those wrongs where you are. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. have the students that you have and they have the experiences that they have. And a lot of times if we could see those experiences as a strength and not a deficit, like the fact that they like scraped and scrimped and are working three jobs, like they clearly have some level of grit and pers- perseverance that a lot mm-hmm. of other people don't have. So how do you tap into that to make sure that they can get their degree? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, why don't we reward that? Yes, we should be. And that should be like part of what we're looking at. I mean, some of the best college admissions people do try to find that stuff, but the college admissions process is just so like, uh No, it's horrible. It doesn't yeah. take into account. I mean, I, I talk about this, like I had friends who uh, could do, you know, student government or sports after school, but I had other friends who had to go home and take care of their siblings. And then they like worked at a restaurant on the weekends and they were like, mm-hmm. oh, well, what am I going to put on my college application and it's yeah. like well what why can't you write that why can't you right. write about that like why right. isn't that you didn't okay so you didn't go to like guatemala and build huts but like right you worked at the cheesecake factory all summer and that and you were like trying to save money so why isn't that valuable absolutely absolutely like a hundred thousand percent i totally agree and i think but just the fact that we we are also kind of unique in this nation and that we have this like i don't know just crazy competitive admissions thing. And and, and Mm -hmm. I should also caveat that with like in a certain segment of society, there are a lot of people who actually go to open access colleges and whatever, but, um, and I shouldn't say whatever, they're really great, you know, colleges that 
more people probably should be thinking about as part of the options. But we have... Oh, community we, college needs to be better positioned as an option for sure. Yeah, like it needs yeah. to it needs to be marketed. It needs to be like it needs to be destigmatized. It's I'm like all about that. Yes, community college and there's like the the majority of people actually that go to um four-year colleges and I often don't know what to call them because it's not four-year colleges. It's like colleges that offer bachelor's degrees. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so yeah. But you know what I mean? Like the majority of people that go, they actually are going to like what we would call like regional comprehensive colleges. So it's not even the University of, you know, Georgia or University of New Jersey, which we don't have. We have Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Um, the places that the majority of people are going are actually like Georgia Southern or, yeah. um, you know, here in New Jersey would be Montclair State University or Stockton or these places that you may not have heard of as the flagship, but they do the job of educating like the vast majority of, of students. They're kind mm-hmm. of like the land grant colleges. Um, and And too often, I think uh, part of the challenge that we face in that subset of of students that's like, you know, really, really have the admissions counselors and all of the like consultants and things like that. They see those colleges as like not worthy of going to. But I saw, there's a survey about, um, so it used to be, I mean, I would say, I think we're like, I'm um, maybe a little bit older than you, but like in the same generation, right? We're like older millennials. And so um, there was a shift. So like we're in a generation where people were very much like, oh, you have to go to this college. And actually, if you have student loan debt, that's a sign that the college is really good because it wouldn't be charging all yes, this money. If it was. which so is like, a lie. Yes. And I tell people that all the time, like when I was going to college, that was how people thought about student loans and um, the expense of college. Like it was annoying and whatever, but it wasn't like, I'm not going to do it. It was like, oh, it must be really good because it costs so much. And colleges actually believe it or not, preyed on that. There were whole colleges who had their strategy as being, we are going to artificially increase our price even if we don't expect people to pay it. And can I just tell you this for a minute? Like that was a strategy that many, like not even small, but like private colleges employed to get more students to want to come. They literally had a price and then they said, people will think we'll better if we'll have a higher price and they increased their price. And then what they did was they gave people bogus scholarships to make them think that they got a discount on the price. There's so much stuff that happens in this industry that's crazy and it's been bad for like students. Um, And so they knew that people didn't actually have the money to pay it, but maybe like there's 10 people who actually would pay it. So what they would do was just like give people a scholarship so that they are actually charging the same amount effectively that they were before. But (gasps) people, yes, but people felt like because you have a double benefit. Oh, I'm getting a deal. And like I, my parents will talk about, oh, my kid is so brilliant. They got a $10,000 scholarship. <gasps> well, actually, no, the college is giving that same $10,000 scholarship basically to everybody. <gasps> it's called tuition discounting. It's, you know, it's baked into how colleges market themselves and they figure out what is the price that we need to charge to seem competitive whether that is a higher price or a lower price, and usually it's been a higher price. And then what is the real price that we're actually expecting people to be able to pay? And there are all these consultants who help colleges figure out what the right percentage of discounting is in order to like get the marginal student who they want to come. This is evil. Yeah. Um, well, no. So why don't I, that you mentioned in some interviews that we don't know where the money being pumped into our education system is going. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why not? And how do we track that? So, I mean, there's some, there's some, um, like, survey data that's that's generally agreed upon as not that great in terms of 
categorizing like how the money is spent at the college level, right? So when people pay tuition or when states fund, it's going to, you know, it's going to salaries and benefits and classroom space and rent in some cases and, you know, different administrators. And there's a lot of different theories about like why college is costing so much. Is it because people have lazy rivers and climbing walls? Yeah. And sports. Or, or is it because of sports or is it because of, you know, salaries are going up and healthcare costs are going up and electricity costs are going up. And it's actually hard to answer that question because we don't really have good data on how people spend their money um, and where it actually goes. So that's part of what I meant, I think, whenever I said that. You have all these quotes and I'm like, oh, when did I say that? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. We did our research here at Bad With Money. You're- Yes, you're you're like actual, you know, you're real journalists of like, oh man, I need to have quotes of what I said so I don't say something contradictory. Look, um, I went to journalism school and, and now I'm using that degree. You are, you are. It's like, you know, I, I went to school for education and I am kind of using that. Yeah, exactly. I So I, this is neither here nor there, but but have you seen the people online that are complaining that if student debt is forgiven, it's unfair to those who have already paid? I have. I have. um, I have. And I mean, it's kind of like, I actually see both sides. I see, try to see both sides and I try to try to see the good and everything. So I, oh, because my next question was, (laughs) why is this a stupid thing to say? (laughs) I try to see the good and everything. And I understand that. I mean, also, you know, if, if the college, so, okay, I will use this example because I actually, I like my alma mater. I went to Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Had a good college experience enjoyed it. Um, they started offering no loans. Like, so now if you go to Vanderbilt, they have a pledge that they will give you grant aid so that you don't have to take out debt. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. They didn't have it when I went to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not upset at the people who get that. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I feel happy. I give back to them to like, to specifically to that fund so that more people can like not have debt when they graduate from Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, but I also do say like as somebody, I mean, I try not to think personally because I feel like personally at this point in my life, I'm actually at a fairly stable place. Although I think at times I'm bad with money, which is why I listen to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The the secretary of higher education of New Jersey listening to my podcast blows my mind. (laughs) Yes. I know. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty helpful. Um, so I like try not to use personal examples because I feel like I'm not the average person, right? Like I'm not the average person, but I have student loan debt. And so, yeah, like, me say, too. You know, so like say it was, say it was not me. Say it was somebody else who had like, I have, a, you know, I have a lot, all my friends have basically have student loan debt and say, you know, they had paid off their student loans last year and they really, really try hard. It's, and, and then like next year, you know, Elizabeth Warren is become, or not next year, like two years from now, like Congress and everybody decides we're going to forgive everybody's student loan debt. I could see how that would feel crappy. You could be like, man, I could have taken a vacation or I could have put more into retirement or whatever. But it's kind of like, I mean, you know, this is kind of how policy works sometimes. There are lots of like other, I think, policies though, where the same thing has happened. So the most recent one was um, the mortgage crisis where people weren't Mm -hmm. able to pay their mortgages. And you actually saw a very similar thing happen where when we started offering mortgage assistance to people, there was this thing like, well, I like cut out my cable and, you know, sold a rib so that I could pay my mortgage and my deadbeat neighbor didn't and you're going to like help him. So I think it's a pretty common thing when you're dealing with these kinds of like distributive financial pieces that we just have Mm -hmm. to kind of contend with and make a decision about like you just want to do it or not do it. And 
Look, I things get better all the time. Yeah. We used to yeah. do horses and carriages, and now we have cars. Like, yes. yeah. w- it's like I, I, my dad had polio. He's not yeah. going to be like, well, now people don't get polio. It sucks right. that I had polio. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's how yes. old my dad is. Is he had polio? That's crazy. Um, I know. Wow, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And I'm um, glad people don't have polio anymore. Like, vaccinate your kids. Yeah, well, so you heard it here first from the Secretary of Higher Education. Uh, vaccinate your <laughs> vaccinate kids, Los your Angeles. Kids. Just It is a problem here. Um, oh, it's a problem here in New Jersey as well. So. Great. So, okay. So this is, is uh, my last question, and it's also very research heavy. Okay. So you have a master's from Harvard. Yes. You have a doctorate from University of Pennsylvania. Yes. You mentioned before you worked in Obama's White House. Uh-huh. And now you're Secretary of Higher Education for New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And you are 34 years old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm 31, by the way. I'm 31. I don't know how old you think I am, but you were yeah, like, oh, we're, we're different similar. generations. Yeah. Well, so, we're, okay. no, we're the same generation. We're both yeah. millennials, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you ever see yourself back at the White House in some capacity? Um, you know, I mean, obviously we would need a different president. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's happening now. (laughs) Right. Like, please replace Betsy DeVos. Oh my gosh. Um, so I mean, I don't know. It's a really tough job. I mean, when I left the White House, my mom, hi mom, um, she listens to everything. So she will appreciate this, who I love very much and who also has a master's degree and is a wonderful person and has been an inspiration in my life, mom. Um, she, um, when I left the White House, she was like, why are you leaving? You work with President Obama and they have nice Christmas parties and I haven't gotten to go yet. <laughs> like, it's a really, really stressful job, mom. And I'm burnt out all the time and I don't get to date and I don't get to see my friends. And um, yeah. so it's just a really, you know, it's a, it's a job that I obviously, I really appreciate the experience and I had the ability to work on a lot of important things, but I just, I also realize there's a lot of ways that you can have influence and policy. And so, you know, I don't know, maybe in the future, but I don't know. I'm trying to retire like early, which is why I'm listening to podcasts. Like, how can I, how can I pay off these student loans and retire early? Just at 35, you're trying to retire in the next I don't know. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My birthday's in January, so that might be too early. But yeah, like, I'm just like, man, it's a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah. what, I'm trying to like work each job, like not harder than the last job. And I've been unsuccessful at that so far. <laughs> no, well, because you care and because you're working in, yeah. in something that's difficult. And it's also like, I think probably at the state level, it's like more direct involvement. It is. It is. It, that's actually been really fulfilling is into, and to leave D.C. when I did. Um, and to be, so like I talked to my friends who are still in D.C. And, um, it, you know, it can be kind of like a soul sucking place right now. And yeah, so to local be in, politics is the thing, right? Yeah. Like to be in a state where we have like a progressive governor and like a state legislature that's passing bills and where sometimes it's like the pace is so fast and the number of bills and the like the work that we're doing that we're trying to figure out how to keep up is the challenge rather than being like, man, how do we stop all this bad stuff from happening? is actually, you know, that's that's very fulfilling personally for me. So like we're doing free community college. We're trying to figure out how much we can expand it. We're trying to help students with like hunger on campus and trying to prevent, you know, students from having so much student loan debt and trying to create more affordable repayment plans. And like all of that is stuff we did just in the past year. And that feels, and we created a student bill of rights and there's a lot of energy and momentum. So it feels good even when like on the news, it feels kind of depressing sometimes. Sure. So 
my final question is like, I guess like, is there anything you want to leave my listeners with? Is there anything that's like, here's what you guys can do to help us or here's what you should know? Yes. I mean, so practical. I mean, so, so much of this work, I struggle between like, I usually, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a person that is like a personal finance, right? I'm not giving, I don't give people personal. No, no, from the, from the higher ed perspective. But no, but, but I think there is some, but I I was going to say that, but I think there's like, there are some like personal things that people should be thinking about, like with repaying student loan debt, there's often like, I think a fear of student loans that is kind of, it's, it's a rational fear, but it's one that you have to kind of like conquer because the answer sometimes isn't just like don't borrow at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing is just to like, and then once you have student loans to actually be willing to open up the statements. I know so many people that were Ugh. so scared that they just didn't open them up and yeah. you have to open up the statements and then you can actually call your servicer and you should, if you can't pay them, you should mm-hmm. literally call them and be like, I cannot pay. Can you help me? And help walk me through the options. And so just, you know, just being willing to look at your own stuff and knowing that until we can have a broader policy solution to this stuff, there are like some ways to help you manage your student loan debt that are imperfect, but that you have to like actually cross that bridge of calling the servicer or like looking at the actual amount that you owe or going out. So like my advice to everybody would be, because it's such a terrible thing to be in default on your student loans is to Mm -hmm. really, really, um, until we have like a broader policy solution, do that. That would be one. And the other thing is, please, please don't have a, like, I know this is going to sound bad and maybe some college presidents will be mad, but don't have a dream school. Oh, huge. Don't have a dream school. Have a like bunch of schools that you could go to, each of which is equally, you know, fine. And, you know, all of which you would be happy with and you will figure out what works best for you and your family financially. Like the number of people who, um, and even some of my friends who went to their dream school are probably gonna be like, this is terrible advice. But, you know, you just like really lock yourself in when you say, oh, if I don't go to like this one school, I will say, and I'm happy to say on a personal level, my dream school was Duke. Mm-hmm. And the reason was um, that there was, and I love my husband who is not, did not go to Duke and is not the person about to talk to, but like there was like a basketball star from Duke that I thought was like so attractive and I was going to go to Duke and we were going to meet and get married. And like, mm-hmm. that was my thing. And <laughs> like, you know, and Duke is a good school, right? So like, but it was also, you know, about that too, right? So Duke did not offer me a lot of financial aid. They did not, they, if I had gone to Duke, I would have had $100,000 in undergraduate student loan debt. And um, my parents were like, no. <laughs> just like, yeah. no. Yeah. They were like, no. You, and then, so like Vanderbilt, I went to, like, then I visited Vanderbilt. After that happened, I visited Vanderbilt, which I had never visited before. And I was like, man, this place is pretty cool. It actually looks kind of like Duke. It has green space. There's like yeah. dorms, you know. There's a whole kind of set of schools that are pretty much the same school. Um Sorry to like a lot of school, but you know, like you're probably going to be okay if you're like, oh, you know, a a person who is going to a particular, you know, like, I don't want to tell you to go to any school, but like, you know, you'll be okay. You'll generally be okay. Like you're smart, you're ambitious, like go to a place that financially meets your needs so that you're not swimming in debt. Um, to the extent that you can, like some people, there's no way to avoid taking out student loan debt. So it's not that they're all bad, but just thinking that the only way for me to do this is for my parents to take on 
hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt or for me to take on a bunch of debt and not considering like that state, you know, your public college options or whether a community college could be right for you. Like, just be open. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. Our show is produced and edited by Melissa Yeager-Miller and sound engineered and mixed by Andy Christens. Our associate producer is Kristen Torres and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera and was written by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen with additional music by Brendan Burns. I'm Gabby Dunn, and I'll talk to you next week.